welcome back to Enlighten Up. You're listening to episode 31, Sleep Paralysis, Lucifer, Bloodline Karma, and a Twin Star Exclusive with Corinne Wilson. Corinne is also known as the Occult Priestess, and she has an exorbitant amount of information to share with us today. In fact, it is one of our longest episodes because we just couldn't get enough of what Corinne had to tell us. We get into so much information, but of course, we're so excited that she chose to share with all of us on Enlighten Up a very exclusive piece of information that she has not shared anywhere else yet about twin stars, which actually happens to be one step above the twin flame. Of course, this is the first time I've ever heard of it and as well as Lisa. So we are excited to share this information with you. But before we get to that, we are going to talk about bloodline karma and how we incarnate to sometimes heal an entire bloodline. But before we talk about that, Corinne gets into sleep paralysis and her experience from a very young age in the crib of when it first started. And this opens the door for Michael to finally share with you all his experience and encounter with demons during his own sleep paralysis. That's right, Michael was visited by Lucifer, who Corinne tells us is a red-headed demon. So we have all of this coming up in today's episode on top of so much more information that I couldn't fit into the title, like dating advice on how to determine karmic relationships versus the love relationship and how to know if you're experiencing the demon love bite. Also, we're going to get into the mystery schools of Egypt and how they first started the Isis and Osiris schools. There is so much information in this show, so we are excited to share it with you all. But before we get into the show, I just want to remind all of our listeners that we are looking for your applications to join us on the show. We're choosing three of our listeners to join us on an episode coming up in March where you get to ask us all the questions that have been plaguing your mind or your soul, things that you just can't ask anyone else and you'd love to ask us. So we would like to invite you to join the conversation on Enlighten Up, but we need your application. So please send into info at enlightenup.us your full name and some questions that you would be asking us and why you want to be on the show. So without further ado, let's jump into episode 31 and get straight into the sleep paralysis. Welcome back to Enlighten Up, everyone. You're listening to episode 31, and I am here with Lisa and Michael, and today we are joined by Corinne Wilson, otherwise known as the Occult Priestess. Corinne, welcome to our show. Hello. Thank you for having me, all three of you. All greatness comes in threes, so I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, well, Lisa and I appreciate your use of numbers. Michael, on the other hand, not so much. <laughs> well, it's show number 31. You're three people. Three is also the empress and the tarot, women who are generous and give of their kingdom to others and learn how to care for themselves and love themselves as well. So the empress. Oh, well, we've just started the show off like at rocket speed. I love it. <laughs> so Corinne, um, you know, I've heard you on another show and what you were talking about was so mirroring what Michael has recently gone through. Our, our listeners have been waiting for the show because Michael is going to reveal what his experience has been that has made him believe 100% in demons and angels. And um, oh, but wow. I actually heard the show where 
he would not go into it all. And so this is the reveal. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> yes, yes. So before we get into that, though, can you please tell our audience um, a little bit about you and how your whole journey has started and come to where it is right now? Okay, I'll try to sum it up quickly. I was born with sleep paralysis, which to me is a form of spiritual warfare. I was raised Jehovah's Witness, which I found out was a cult um, because there's a, basically a lot of social worlds that are not loving. And at 16, I found Wicca and I became a high priestess by age 18. And at 23, I found my guru, a lady you know who studied in India, the Buddhism religion, and she taught me about my soul completely. And she became my spiritual master teacher on earth. Her name was Sri Mamo Devi. So I am a Buddhist initiate. I took refuge with the Dharma, the Sangha, and the Buddha. And that changed my life. As and I also got Reiki, <clears throat> Reiki mastery around that time as well. So I was spiritually infused by age 23. And then I started my first store, The Occult Shop, and I had a community, and I was much more into the community building than I was into the financial building, uh, because that's where I'm coming from. I just want to help people. I'm service to others very much. And um, let's see. I did start my journey, actually, with tarot in a nightclub among my peers, dancing between giving sage advice to my friends. Uh, it was very interesting. But that that's a lot about me. So I think that's good enough for now. You can <laughs> see my resume on my occult priestess. It is occultist in the corner on wordpress.com. Yeah, we're going to leave a link for everyone in the show notes to that um, website. So for all our listeners, uh, if you, when you if you want to go visit her, Corinne's website, that'll be in the show notes. So Corinne, can you tell us a little bit more about the sleep paralysis? Because that started for you at a very, very young age. Yeah, as early back as I can remember, there was something spooky about going to the crib, about going to bed, about being alone. And... All through my childhood up to age 19, I experienced what we now call sleep paralysis. You want me to describe it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so even, you know, picture yourself as a five-year-old kid, right? Um, but by this time, I was already a spiritual warrior because I'd been dealing with it probably since I was born. I would lay down to go to sleep and then like a wave like would hit me and I would feel utterly exhausted. Like I couldn't move if the bed was on fire. My eyes would seal shut and I could not move. It was like I was being hermetically sealed. It did not feel natural. Even though I was a little kid and I didn't know what natural was compared, I still knew that this wasn't right. And then I felt vibrations in my body like electricity and sometimes it would amp up a lot like I would feel like it was being actually shocked jolted and that's when the shadow man as I call him would come towards me this is a three-dimensional shadow of a man about six foot tall blacker than black blacker than the darkness of my room with him came voices, sounds, screams, tortures, sobs, all kinds of what I call hell is what he brought with him. I could feel it. It's as if he brought the whole party to me, 
to my bedroom. So there I was in the layer, if you will, of consciousness of hell as this, not just a stranger, not just an alien, something that I could never even describe to my mother, something out of this world was coming after me. And I felt attacked. I felt so terrified. It is the essence of terrified. I think I really hit, if there's a human limit, I hit mine and I went beyond it. That's how much fear it caused. And this was at the age of five? Younger, but I was putting people at the age of five so that they can feel more comfortable. But it happened a lot earlier than that. Wow. It was almost like training. It felt like training, right? Like having a war every night. And so, gosh, I just don't even know how to even imagine like a young, young child having to deal with that level of fear. Um, And you you also must understand that I was born into this world seeing. I was born psychic, which was a defense mechanism, right? Um, some people that aren't even born psychic, when they get abused enough, they become psychic because they have for survival issues. So I was hyper vigilantly psychic because I was being physically abused during the day and then attacked at night. So we are not talking about my childhood. There's nothing normal about it. I'm definitely a weirdo, definitely unique. Thank goodness. <laughs> like yeah. Unique than weird. Unique. <laughs> so, um, you know, Michael, does any of this resonate with you on any level of what you've experienced? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I too, have been experiencing this. I don't know about I was young as Corinne, but probably since my teenage years. Um, it started off, I mean, it, it, sleep paralysis to me was what she described. Um, it was just an intense utter um, feeling of helplessness uh, my eyes were my eyes were open though and, and uh, I could not move any part of my body I mean I could breathe and my eyes could see and that's about it um, and I knew early on even in my teenage years when this happened to me it's like an, it's a weird knowing without seeing but it was something that felt evil and attacking. It was not a benevolent, um, benevolent oh, I'm trying to say that word. Benevolent. Uh, but thank you. Benevolent uh, feeling. Um, so I didn't see a lot when it was, I, it, it happened to me throughout time uh, until probably the last uh, six months of my life here. However, even back then, I knew there was something very dark presence with what was happening to me and I would have to really use my mentality uh, my my mind really to get out of this paralysis of course when something scares me what I tend to do is try to study the heck out of it and figure out more of a scientific reason and this is not uncommon out there in the world this happens to a lot of people and a lot of people have the exact same um uh, exact same feelings that Corinne and I have had where there's just a really dark element within the room with them and of course science tries to explain like basically your body hasn't woken up but you have and you're still in a dream world but it's really hard to accept that as the only 
uh, definition when it's consistently a very evil like feeling that's in the room. Yeah, Michael, that definition works for the matrix. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's what you read online. It's like, oh, yeah, and then, you know, you'll just have sleep, sleep, sleepologists or whatever. You say, oh, yeah, you're just halfway between dream world and awake. Well, I don't remember ever, because dreams can be good, too, and I don't remember ever feeling good with this, with this happening. Well, that's interesting, though, that you say that that's the definition for the matrix, like it works in the matrix, because we had um, Heather Sartain on to talk about the pineal gland, and she was explaining that when people have night terrors, it reduces the amount of time that the body can actually heal itself. And so people actually end up getting ill and sick and their bodies start to break down um, because of these night terrors, so to speak, or even go one step further, sleep paralysis. Wow. Cheers to that sister light worker. My goodness. I was sick. My entire childhood, I missed more school. I felt like a rock star because <laughs> I missed school all the time. But I was. I was an ill, sickly child with asthma, and anybody got sick, I was sick next. And I felt it was my way of avoiding reality. <laughs> but I understand what you just explained is 100% the truth. I was being kept from he healing myself. I was definitely being kept off balance 24-7. So this shadow person... Um, because I've, I've seen, I've actually seen a photo or was it a video and then they stopped it and they zoomed in on us on the back where this guy felt like someone was following him and it, he couldn't, every time he looked back, no one was there. And so he used his phone to capture it while, to make it look like he was reading his phone, but he was capturing the video behind. And when he caught a frame, you could see the shadow person in the back. Wow, clever. Yeah, and it, it's just that I hadn't heard of shadow people until then. So can you go into a little bit more detail of that? Well, my shadow person I felt was assigned to me personally. <laughs> I do know there's more than one. Um, during I went to Hawaii a couple years ago and did ayahuasca, and I actually saw a shadow being with a hat over a fellow participant. So I do understand, you know, there's more than one. What kind of hat, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> I it was knew a, that was one of, those, <laughs> one of those nice fedora newsman hats from the okay. 40s. Mm -hmm. so, Michael, what was question? your hat that you saw? It was like a top hat. Yeah. Oh, interesting, Michael. Look up Baron Somdi, S-A-M-D-I, I believe. There might be an H in it. But Baron Samdi from the Santeria Voodoo religion, he is the skeleton guy with the top hat. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. You're right. I think I, yeah. I, I think I know what image you're talking. Yep, exactly. I just looked it up. Like and it, it, was just, it was just a white outline, though. Of of a uh, this was in a, this this actually doesn't isn't related to my um, sleep paralysis. This was more of like a a weird quick vision that happened to me when I was attempting to meditate <laughs> and it was just this this white outline of a man in a top hat and a hammer like a sledgehammer like coming towards me and it was like very very vivid it wasn't like just like a made-up imagination so it was kind of interesting and then it just disappeared and it was like no more than two three seconds Michael what is made-up imagination no, oh, thank you for asking that. 
a made up imagination and you know, like in my my term or my definition yeah treat me like a child explain yeah. like a child i just look at imagining as your way of of that's a really hard thing to answer with words um just your way of of going beyond what you see feel and think or see feel and hear in front of you like you're just go ahead wouldn't you say your imagination, you have two different aspects to it. The first one is one you try and have an effort to make up something in your head. Is that true? True. Okay. So what do you do creatively, Michael? Uh, I love photography. Excellent. Wonderful. So the I. Now, yeah. imagination, break down the word I, magi, nation, magi. Now we can look at the original word is to image, to see, the third eye pineal gland, to see, mm -hmm. right? Be ye single-eyed in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So the imagination is a very beautiful and deep part of our being, of our soul, and it's how we connect to the higher cosmos and to our star brothers and sisters and to the higher masters and teachers and eventually to God. So I think that we have really mistreated the imagination and given it a label of fake when it yeah. in fact is not. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see a certain angle from that. Like, you know, I've always told look, Nicole and Lisa, my dreams that I've had in my life, I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine my own brain thinking of these dreams. Thank you, because uh, your brain doesn't actually think. Right. I mean, I could I could see where we're, where we're heading with this conversation. Like there is twit. Like some, I have dreams that are so drama filled, but like entertaining drama filled with twists and punchlines and things yeah. like like how the hell would my brain know a joke and the punchline? Yet I'm surprised. Exactly. I do that while I'm awake. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there is something to that, and and I love dreaming as long as they're mostly good. Um, and my dreaming has obviously been kicked up quite a bit in these past year or so. So this is, this is interesting. That was a beautiful definition of imagination, Corinne. Thank you for sharing that because um, I've written a couple blogs on imagination and how it's fifth dimensional thought form and that it's our, it's our biggest co-creating tool and how we're taught to disregard it the older we get and that when we're children we're really so we're that's when we're closely connected to source because we've just come in from that realm and everything that we're allowed to be that like have our imagination as children but as we grow up we're told well that's just in your head and we're taught to discredit it and move away from it when in reality it's our biggest co-creation tool yeah and again that works for the matrix mm-hmm Mm -hmm. To keep people deaf, dumb, and blind. So if you come across something and they say, oh, this part of the human spiritual anatomy is a bunch of crap, then you understand they're trying to keep you from the truth. We just and then we have, uh, the, uh, then we have 
like the other definition of imagination where it's like you know imagine it and it will be real and i'm not sure if i really buy into that like you i'm know, not I, there i'm not with you on that either i, yeah, I mean i'm with you i'm not on that yeah because like, like, we I can don't imagine, create our life in that form it's right i can imagine a, a girlfriend and every day i wake up i don't see one so it's not working out too well so uh, you know the, so That's i can so understand like, the, the imagination, imagination when it comes to the creativity within our minds and but i'm always just confused and how that relates to our day-to-day stuff, I guess. Well, those who are <clears throat> deeply into manifesting their own lives are trying to take the wheel of their life and guide it usually through ego. It's usually not the higher will of the divine sending them off on a journey to grow their soul. It's usually, well, I have a materialistic goal and I'm going to do whatever I can do to get to that materialistic goal. And that completely mm-hmm. negates the soul. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Well, the whole emotion of the imagination thing, like the law of attraction, I think the important piece behind that is the emotion behind it. It's not just imagining it, but it's having the feelings that it's already happened. Like, yes, but where does the desire come from? And then are you looking at your desires and saying, is this the most healthiest thing I can desire at this point? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's why we should be guided. You understand? That's how I live. I'm 100% guided. Mm-hmm. by voices. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think though many of us, we sometimes get caught up in that, that we may be asking for something that isn't going to serve us to our highest good. And that's why it's not necessarily coming in, um, that it's not supposed, it's not meant to serve our purpose right now. And so, um, and so that's where the guidance definitely does help. Yeah, I completely agree. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I completely agree. And there seems to be this wave of popularity with the law of attraction and every time I run into it in YouTube it always seems to be about money and I listen to Abraham um, you know Hicks a lot and it just always seems to be centered around money and you know it'll and it's just it kind of negate it's just exactly what you guys were just saying it's like maybe what you're trying to attract isn't in your best interest instead of just letting things unfold you're trying to force them yeah, and Lisa, you're a beautiful cancer mommy woman, mommy because you're a cancer, uh, and mommy mom. to the world. <laughs> you're an actual mom too? I am. Okay. She's of an adult, adult children. She's an amazing mom too. <laughs> that, that was beautiful that you brought that in because really what we're doing here, and I think you hit the essence of it, we're gardeners of the soul. We're gardeners of this soul flower that we'd like to see bloom. And that's coming straight from your heart. And I felt that. So I see where you're coming from. Thank you. And so um, I don't know if Michael wants to share his experience with us right now. No, I can. I mean, it's, it's not like I was trying to like, keep this in the drama. If I had to, I had to take a while to process what, what happened to me. And Michael, yeah. you might not actually trust me and this might be scary for you, but I would like to. Well, it's not, it's not that I don't trust you. It's like, I just, I just, what I experienced felt like in some aspects, a dream, but in some aspects, absolutely real life. And so it's confusing even to my own mind. And so I, I, the next, when I, when it happened to me, I literally wrote, did have to write it all down because I was afraid it was a dream. And you know how we are with dreams. We remember it instantly for like a good three minutes. And all of a sudden, for some reason, it quickly just dissipates and disappears. Um, however, with this, I can still remember very 
maybe it's because I wrote it down, but like I just remember all so many details and, and whatnot. But it's was six bouts. Let's hear five, four months ago, maybe. Um, I had a, a sleep paralysis thing going on uh, in my bed, and it there was a just again the feeling of something negative or evil in the within the room. And I remember, and I had the bathroom light on uh, in my room, so I had enough light to see around me. Um, and the, I just saw this dark black cloud just try to cover over me. And I just remember uh, willing it away. Uh, and, and, you know, when you're in that state, I, I go back to, like, my basic, like, Catholic prayers or something. You know, I just start praying and, and getting... Uh, something out there just to feel like to, to get it away from me and then I just saw this dark cloud just start to dissipate and and then I came out of my sleep paralysis so that was like my first little episode of like I saw something I know I saw something uh, my mind doesn't make up these things uh, and it, it kind of it was weird because it freaked me out but it also liberated me it made me feel like um, I have control over this and I can I can deal with this uh, because I would I'd probably get sleep paralysis at least once a week, and so I kind of felt good the following day. And in about I don't know what was it, Nikki? About four weeks ago when this happened, I think. Yeah, it was, so, a, it was about a month or a little over. A month. Yeah. So I again had uh, went to bed and I had just a normal beautiful dream. And it was a dream of the, it was my uh, apartment and I heard something like people or someone out in my living room kitchen area. So I walked out and my, and I'm not a big Christmas fan, not a big fan of it at all. However, my place was decked out Christmas style, like the most beautiful Christmas tree, poinsettias, you know, the whole nine yards of you know Christmas and I even in my mind I thought it was like wow this is beautiful and there was this uh, very uh, attractive brunette girl probably around the age of 20 or so if I had to guess an age um, just there and uh, she just felt so joyful to be in her presence and I, I don't remember the discussion that we had but I do remember looking across my living room and seeing another room with fogged out glass where I could see a silhouette on the other side of another person. And I'm like, who's that over there? And she told me, she's like, oh, you'll meet her soon. Don't worry about it right now. I'm like, okay, whatever. And, you know, fast forward, I wake up from this dream in the middle of the night in my room. I'm like, oh, that was a great dream. That was a nice dream. And I could remember it very vividly. And... Then about maybe 10 minutes later when I'm trying to go back to sleep, my sleep paralysis kicked in times 10. And when I say times 10 is uh, I physically felt my shoulders being pinned to my bed. I looked over into my bathroom, which the light was on, which I don't remember turning it on, but the light was on. And I remember seeing a dark figure facing away from me uh that was in a a black hoodie but like it was like 
I don't remember the details of all the clothes. I just remember facing away from me with a hood on and just, just, just there as much as I would see you guys right now if I was in the same room as you. And my shoulders were being pinned forcefully, not in a painful way, but more like, you know, like a human being was on top of your shoulders with their knees, um, which my brothers used to do when I was a child. Maybe that's something. <laughs> and so I finally, like, like two minutes later, I wasn't out of the sleep paralysis, but I rolled over enough and then my room light was on and there was this uh, redheaded woman that was sitting on the edge of my bed and my sleep paralysis was done. I was able to move and to have a conversation and to talk. And so I just, for some reason, didn't have fear in my mind or my heart or whatever. I was more of like in this weird uh, limbo state of, I wouldn't say peace. It was just curiosity. And I started speaking with this and she was another attractive red haired woman, uh, around the same age. And I was starting to speak with her and I started asking her questions. I'm like, who are you? And she said, I cannot tell you that. And I said, well, how long have you been here? And she goes, I've been here ever since the beginning. And I'm like, the beginning of like me? And she's like, yes. And I even questioned her. I'm like, okay, so if it's the beginning of me, what street did I live on when I was a child? And she goes, that's not how it works. And I'm like, well, what's your name? And she goes, I cannot tell you that. And I go, are you a demon? Because that's for some reason what came out. And she goes, yes. And I literally looked at her, um, her head. And for the first time, I just realized there was probably two horns literally coming out of her hairline not coming out that were already there like little curly white horns about three inches long on the typical you know temples of her of of the head and i realized oh my gosh you are a demon and i'm like well what should i call you what's your name and she goes i can't tell you my name she then said lucifer has many rules for us and i remember that like as vivid that statement as vivid as ever because I was like, even in my mind during that time, I was like, wow, Lucifer. Lucifer is actually real. And like, that name is real and, you know, all this stuff. And and so I kept asking her questions like, is this because of what I've been doing lately is the reason why I can visit you? Meaning, like, uh, be more open to spirituality. Um really helping to try to ex uh, accentuate my pineal gland with using uh, or staying away from obviously fluoride, but also using things that will help decalcify my pineal gland. And she said, yes. And I go, am I going to be seeing you again in the future? Because she started to get up and walk towards the bathroom. And I said, and she goes, yes, you will. And then just then I started noticing people uh, walking down my hallway carrying boxes. And I'm not saying, I don't even know, I think they're like dark, like shadowy figures. I can't put any kind of, of recognition to them. And they were just carrying out boxes from my, like from my living room out the door. And I go, who are those? And she goes, those are just, they're just get, gathering some things and leaving. And I'm like, okay. And then she went to the bathroom and I knew she was leaving. 
And I go, now that I know you're real, <laughs> this is all I, all I remember saying. I go, now that I know you're real, I'm going to study the shit out of you. <laughs> That's all I remember saying to her. And then she just disappeared. And then I found, again, I was laying in my bed and the lights were off as if it was a dream. But to me, it felt as real as, you know, anything that you would have do during the day. And the first thing I did when I woke up later that morning was I started Googling, you know, seeing angels and, and demons. And when I say angels, it kind of came to me very quickly that the first person I'm the first person I met in my actual dream, the brunette woman was probably an angel where the other person on the side of the foggy glass silhouette doors was this demon that was waiting for me. It almost felt like a Christmas carol where I'll be, I was visited by both an angel and demon on the same night. And then, the, so the, of course, the first picture that pops up is the typical picture that we see uh, where there's an angel on one shoulder, a demon on the other, whispering things into your ears. I'm like, well, shit, that makes sense. Um, and then, it, and then as I read more, I learned that, or learned, I saw some things that kind of made sense to me, like people get demons attached to them from various things in their life. A lot of times, people get attached to demons from having sex with other people that have demons attached to their souls. It's like you you create a what I what I read in you know forgive me if this doesn't make sense to you guys but it kind of makes sense to me is like you create like a soul your soul creates a soul bond with these demons when you have uh, sexual relations with these type of people uh, and so that's the first thing that popped out I'm like huh that might make sense uh, and then we have Nikki and Lisa and I had a podcast a while ago with a dream interpreter and I quickly sent him the uh, what happened to me and before I even told him the explanations I heard the first thing he said is like be careful of who you have sex with <laughs> uh, <okay>. yeah. <laughs> I'm like okay roger that I'm gonna be Sullivan for the rest of my life thank you <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Michael have you ever heard of the Jezebel spirit no I want you to look that up it's amazing the the antidotes but the Jezebel spirit is basically the negative harlot of a female and believe it or not, <clears throat> we all have male and female within us. And your inner female obviously needs some love. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot more to say about this. You're just not done yet. So go ahead. No, I mean, that was pretty much yeah, I mean, that, that and I studied it a little bit. And it changed my perspective because I always kind of somewhat jealous of Lisa and Nikki because they both have had like experiences in their lives that like say it definitively that there's something beyond this this world and this was my like something that like just it was an epiphany if you will of of the way i think about the spiritual world like okay no if this is real this is i mean if again if my mind imagined it what the hell is my mind on what kind of drugs is it doing in the middle of the night that i don't know about uh but like we just talked about it's maybe beyond what you imagined and so it really opened me up and changed my perspective on a lot of things in life in a good way. And uh, I just wish, you know, it was like Jesus showing up in my room instead of this stuff going on. <laughs> I, I, and, and, and to follow up, I've also, I mean, I just had a, another sleep paralysis about three or four nights ago. And uh, it, it felt like 
uh, a pillow was thrown across my room when during my sleep paralysis and my ankles were being tugged off of my bed. I mean, it's still, I still have to combat the sleep paralysis. It's just not like it just disappeared. And so it's just a scary friggin' thing to go through in your life. Um, but you, I think, I feel like I get stronger and stronger when it does happen to me. Like That's I'm, right. Just like Kanye West said, if it doesn't kill me, it makes me stronger. Yeah. So, Corinne. So, That's true. <laughs> So anyway, that's that's my story. I mean, we pretty much say, okay, angels, demons, we're I'm gonna go with that. You know, let's put all the other stuff right now to the side. But that is something that I could easily believe in. Okay, before we move on, I have a very similar story, and it really mirrors yours. So there we go again. We have sleep paralysis that mirrors each other, and this. And I wonder if you and I had the same question in our mind when we were both visited by an angel and a demon. I was told to look this stuff up for this show, so it's so interesting that, that we're talking about this. Um, I had the question in my mind, is evil real? Because I was really not going there. I really couldn't put energy into something negative. I knew my energy was powerful, but I didn't want to put it into something negative, and it didn't matter how much sleep paralysis I had. It couldn't make me believe that evil was real. Mm-hmm. So I was in this great quandary and an angel came to me. I was um, kind of dozing on the couch and I don't say angel lightly. I've only met one angel and this is the one after all the people, you know, entities I speak with, I've only met one. And the angel was very bright, uh, crystalline, almost glowy, sitting on the couch next to me with no emotion whatsoever. There was no back and forth feeling. There was no interacting emotionally with this entity. It was blank. It was what it was. And you were what you were. There was great separation here. This is not what I'm used to. And the angel told me evil was an invention for third dimensional reality to grow the soul Hmm. It is impermanent, which means, as everyone knows nowadays, my friends, fifth dimension holds no evil. It cannot. So we have third dimension and fourth dimension where it can thrive. But above that, it's fake. It's totally not real. It's, it's an invention. And then a few nights later, I was sleeping in my bed next to my roommate, who I really disliked for good reason, I find out. Um, so there's two bodies next to each other. There's my body and I start seeing these pictures in my head all of a sudden, and they literally are photographs, black and white photographs. And they are like thrown on my third eye as if a cop or a police officer had just walked into my third eye and thrown out these pictures. And I saw a knife from our kitchen <laughs> literal, like that's in our kitchen right now, I'm thinking, and there's blood all over it. And then there's pictures of the bathroom and there's blood all over the bathroom. And then I was accused. I was told you killed your roommate, you psycho, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to cuss, but it was very negative. Look what you did. And I said, what? I can't do that. I know what that is. That's murder. And I don't do murder. That was my soul speaking. That was not my ego. And as soon as I refused to play out those pictures 
right upon my chest manifested this demon, like bam, like it's on my chest. I'm awake. My eyes are open. I'm no longer in dreamland seeing these FBI pictures like, holy shit. (laughs) Right. So the demon manifested as a black charred glittery skeleton. And as soon as my eyes flew open, I said, tell me your name. Because, you know, you got to be straight with these things. And it was like from my soul. So I'm experiencing this. I'm not willing this to happen. I'm just an open vessel experiencing it. And even my words, tell me your name, was an experience, not something I willed. And the demon said, Azazel. Hmm. And then I looked above my head and it was Hermes slash Archangel Michael with the sword And he pointed the sword at the demon and the demon rolled back into the body next to me. Whoa. Wow. Oh my God. I got shivers. So, so did she move out the next day? (laughs) It was a a boy. And did I, I, I was there financially stuck in that situation, but it was to learn about good and evil. Really? But understand, these are lower, the lowest levels of good and evil. Angels and demons, God and Satan, these are black and white forms. And a lot of us are smarter than that, emotionally and mentally smarter than that. Our souls are smarter than that. This is a tiny little playground that we get stuck in because we're brilliant light and they want to hurt us because we, they think that we're taking over their domain, which we are. So how do you get rid of them? How do you stop, <laughs> stop pre, uh, sleep paralysis? I think it's a contract. So it's all about your journey. It's not something you just set your mind to and do. <clears throat> so what you're saying is that before Michael incarnated into this vessel, he had a soul contract that involved sleep paralysis. Yeah, and it also might be because he chose a specific bloodline to incarnate into many light workers incarnate into some seriously sick bloodlines to clean up the karma so therefore the generations that follow will be clean and not tormented and haunted by ancestors so i would under i would wonder if michael has military in the family what the background is like there's some negativity because unfortunately it can't sleep paralysis this kind of spiritual warfare can be seen as a curse, a family bloodline curse. But we have to understand as star seeds and light workers, we incarnated into these sick bloodlines to heal them, to cleanse them of their toxins and to take on the karma. And that's why it's so difficult for us. Yeah, We're we taking t- on thousands of years of rape, murder, war, horrible things. So like when you're, when you're still your soul, not yet taking on the vessel, you're thinking, yeah, I'm totally going to do this. It's going to be a great idea. And then you get down here and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Not exactly. Hermes said that we almost didn't come in this time because it looked too dark. And I was warned by many beings that I love upstairs. I call it, I call heaven upstairs because <laughs> that's what it is. Um, I was warned, you know, everybody was worried about me. So we knew this was going to be a very hard time, but we also knew it was graduation. It's the last time. And I'm very ambitious, believe it or not. (laughs) 
Sounds like it. Yeah, I'm driven by God. I love. find that very interesting. I mean, that just oh, like explains a lot of things to me about light workers incarnating into these bloodlines to clean them up. That just that makes a lot of sense. Wonderful. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, that definitely uh, helps me understand things a little bit better as well. I'd love to get back to Michael. I think he met this entity I call Lucy Fur, F-U-R, Lucy Fur, the female Lucifer. <laughs> she's always a redhead. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's uh, interesting. But he obviously, Michael, you have a succubus mm. problem. You know this. Oh, yeah. That's what I figured. And it also, you can heal it through going through your psychology, through, I can counsel you, but <laughs> if you can talk to your own inner female by yourself, that'd be great. If not, there are guides out there to help you. But if you can heal the psychology of it, then you can get past the ghosts of it or the demons of it. A, a demon is a ghost on high power. So it's a ghost that's been completely compromised and will probably have the second death, as we call it in occultism, the second death you don't come back from. You're just deleted. Gotcha. That's why it's an invention. It's fake. Don't get too attached. <laughs> it was weird, though. It was weird just because I felt like I kind of wanted to see this thing again. And, and you was, will. Yeah, and it wasn't because, like, I, uh, you know, it was just because, like, it was just, a, for some reason, a comfortable conversation it was just an odd feeling to me well you were definitely being educated it's not that demons don't know things about you yeah. <laughs> and aren't here to teach you because they are um but when you said the christmas tree and everything in the room was beautiful i was like jesus says hi so that was definitely like a very jesus yeah it was funny thing. like you know everybody on that's been listening to this show knows that i'm not a big fan of christmas mainly because of you know, things that have happened in my past around the Christmas time. It's not because I just don't like Christmas trees. Um, but I was like very, it was, it was such a beautiful scene. And, and usually I'm not too impressed with that kind of stuff. Like when I'm walking around in, in the real world, if you will. I think the most interesting thing you can do in meditation, Michael, and believe mm. me, it might be a little dangerous, but you're an experimenter. Mm. Yeah. I, I'd like you to bring in, in your meditation, in your mind's eye and your eye imagination, Lucy Fur, as I've coined her name, and the brunette. Bring them both in because they both have aspects of your inner female as well. They may be separate entities, but they're mirroring yourself back to you. So please talk to both. Which makes sense because of the, the room that I saw the brunette in and on the other side of the door was obviously this person or thing. Yeah, and that door is also in your mind. Hmm. So these girls are living in separate rooms. One is heaven, one is I knew I had some chicks living in my mind. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, but that makes sense that they're not they're not merged. They're being held separately. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So what? why was it that she couldn't say the name? Like, what are the Luciferian uh, rules? Yeah, isn't that cool? I mean, that, he's, that she said Lucifer is cool, too, because I've been searching for Lucifer, and I can't find him. I keep finding death. I'm like, you're not Satan. He's like, no, but they're afraid of me as if I am. I'm like, oh, I see. They got a bad trip on you, death. <laughs> so, you know, he's kind. I love death. He's really sweet. Um, uh, where were we? I'm sorry. Luciferian, Lucifer. um, like you. the rules. Because if you ask a demon its name, the rule is it's supposed to give it to you. 
and that that demon could not give you its name means you pretty much know that demon. You know. That it actually said, I forgot this detail. It actually, I'm like, well, what can I call you? And she said, for some odd reason, duck, like D-U-C-K. I'm like, uh, okay, it's an odd thing. That is an odd thing. De- it doesn't even go backwards. But you know what? If it was Puck, we would understand. Because <laughs> Puck is a trickster. Right. And I have a feeling that some of these entities come from the fairy realm and they're just messing with people. (laughs) (laughs) Michael's not on board with the fairies yet, like, well, Lisa and I are. But (laughs) Well, he still had separate separated psyches, so he can't be where you are right now. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) He's working on it. You wait, girl. I'm excited. I'm excited for that. Oh, I can't wait for this merging to happen. (laughs) <laughs> be like fireworks in the sky yeah so apparently because I have the name Azazel I just read about that he's in the book of Enoch and all these other things like literally two days ago because I've searched for Azazel forever and just now I'm getting allowed to have the information some people say he is the leader of the demons and some people say he is Satan himself but I, when you get the name of a demon, you own that demon. What's it mean to own a demon? Well, in high magic slash black magic, they conjure a circle, they conjure a demon, and they make it do their bidding. Like, get me money, get me chicks, get me material possessions. They never ask for anything good, you know. And so apparently I hold the collar the dog collar of this head demon but i'm not going to use him you understand so i just had a thought come in my mind so if this lucifer comes back to michael can he be like i demand you tell me your name or you are never allowed back would she then maybe give him her name it depends on how wise she is if she knows it's going to enslave her like a genie curse then she may just leave Interesting. But they could have a contract that she has to tell them. I mean, we don't know. That's the experimental phase. There's so many layers. Yep, lots of onions. <laughs> okay, so Michael brought up um, the whole sex thing. And we talked about in a previous episode um, how the three of us have really realized how important it is to abstain from just being very casual with our sexual relationships because of the specific reason that basically when you have sex with someone, if they've got some sort of demon entity attached to them or working through them, that having sex creates a legal door for them to enter into us. Excellently put, wonderfully put. So what is your like, what are your thoughts on that? Or do, have you had any experience through knowing other people with that or anything like that that you could share with the audience? Almost um, definitely. Uh, we would look to the expert Eve Lorgan, who wrote The Alien Love Bite and a couple of other books. And what she speaks about is the spiritual warfare going on on the fourth dimension where you can't literally see it, where people are being set up in terrible relationships they're being made basically forced to have children in the wrong relationships and it is where the ghost realm has control of people 
who are not being morally and ethically sound, who are not wearing their crown and are not sovereign, people who are still a part of their bloodline following what their family and culture says, people that have not differentiated themselves as a soul from the collective. So if you are kind of uh, still dim in your light, so to speak, you are way open to your ancestors or ghost realm, the bardo, to tell you what to do and how to do it, to manipulate you, even through strangers. It's like gang stalking and gaslighting, all of those things, only it's coming from the spiritual realm where you can't see it. It's so interesting. And it's so, okay, it's Lorgan, the love bite. What was the name of that again? The alien love yeah, bite. Yeah. Okay, I sent you guys an article on that last week. I had someone send that to me in Facebook who had watched one of my videos on parasitic entities. And, oh, I saw it. Yeah, and she sent me this article, and so I was reading it, and, and it, the, in the article they talk about that specific book. And I was reading how manipulative the this um, these entities can really get when you've had this sexual encounter with whoever it is, a male or female, and how it completely weakens you down to basically being enslaved to them. And everything that just when you want to break free from it, they say all the right things, all the charm comes in and you get lured back in. It's mind blowing to read how, how it's like the manipulation just blew my mind. Yeah, I actually have a podcast of my own called The Cosmic Core, and that's on YouTube under Occult Priestess. And I interviewed Eve Lorgan. She was my first guest because I was like, oh, my gosh, I can get her. So I did. And she is the one, if I have to name an expert on this type of spiritual warfare, because she also goes into alien abductees, how people are taken to ships or how they perceive they are taken to ships and they are raped, inseminated. And they end up pregnant. So there's a lot of that in her writing. She is a counselor of people that go through this. So she's had thousands of cases. If you're scientific minded, the proof is in the pasta with Eve Lorgan. Thank you. Okay. I'll leave a link for that also. Um, I'll leave a link for people to the, your YouTube video for that because I've seen your podcast on YouTube. So I'll leave that description, that link in the description below as well for everyone so they can watch that if they're interested. Um, but you brought up something interesting about this aliens basically impregnating women. And I've read some stuff about this. That's some that's some crazy stuff. So why is that happening? Well, I'm having a really hard time, a struggle, which means it's interesting. It's going to lead somewhere between angels, aliens and demons like there's a lot of people who said they've been to Mars, right? Physically been to Mars. Physically. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> now, think about Mars in the descriptions. Doesn't that kind of sound like hell to you? Definitely. Hot and fiery red. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people are mislabeling the realms and the entities within the realms because that's the mind can create a mask or a mask can be created on the fourth dimension to take any form. We used to say shapeshifter if you like. But then I have knowledge from my higher self who travels the universe and she tells me like Dracos are real. Dracos, type of reptilian type soul entity thing. Dracos are from the Draco system. So they're 
we're talking about celestial situations. And so it just seems like there's a connection here between all of these things. Like I personally know I'm from Sirius B. I came through a portal to earth, my soul, to incarnate in these cycles through Sirius B. I'm originally not from earth. And that's what makes me a star seed. And that's what makes me more awake than most people when I was born, you understand. But other star seeds, you understand there's a lot more on the planet than normal because of the time we're in. We're in a time of shifting and changing and growing, thank goodness. What was the original question? <laughs> you know what? Um, Just about impregnating yeah. mm-hmm. women. Well, it just sounds like the fallen angel story to me, and it sounds like the watchers to me. I, they're too similar. The plot is the same. So why differentiate? Hmm. Interesting. Nephilim. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's, all the same, isn't it? Yeah, like... (sighs) And I've recently been shown, I mean, I knew this. I knew this, but other people are talking about it, that the aliens might be the Greek gods and things like that. And I'm like... and. Um, Childhood's End, which is a great book and movie, Arthur C. Clarke. The alien comes to Earth and won't show his face for generations, and he finally shows his face, and he's a, the devil. He looks like the devil. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Childhood's End shows something that's supposed to be an alien from another planet, but when it physically comes out of the closet, it's Satan with big horns and a red body. So we've got to put these storylines together more to get to the truth. I remember being in Olympus. I I know I'm a Greek goddess, and that's great and wonderful. It's not an ego thing. It's just a part of my story. And I also know I'm from Sirius B. So I've got all of these puzzle clues. And, you know, I get on YouTube and listen to everybody so that I can try to put them together, this tapestry that we're all weaving, the tapestry of truth. Yeah. Have you had your Akashic Records read? I have my own record keeper. He looks like Thoth, but he's not. We call him the record keeper. And whenever I need to go in there, he's my guide. Nice. Mm-hmm. Michael? Yeah. Any thoughts? Oh, I'm just reading about Jezebel. Oh, sounds good like job. A, sounds like an, one evil thing, that's for sure. Good job, Michael. That's awesome. There's a great video if you look on YouTube. Sorry, when you guys started talking about like aliens pregnating things, I kind of got distracted. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing your homework. I'm proud of you. (laughs) I figured we lost you when we went there. (laughs) Very interesting. He's he's got bigger fish to fry, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) My own demons. (laughs) Well. You know, I was told I'm a star seed from Alta Centurion. You know, I don't really know a lot about that or you know, I've I've researched it a little bit, but you know, I guess to me it's just a star seed. Like we know why we're here and I guess I don't know if it even matters. Like we're really mission oriented. And the only thing that matters about it is pride culture. Like I'm very proud of Series B <laughs> because I know about it. So when it is time for you to know, it will come to you. It's not something you need to grab at or seek. Corinne, have you seen when you look at the sun, Sirius, is it Sirius B that is showing now? Because it's. Yeah, this time of year, it comes up twice a year. Mm -hmm. And so now and then the dog days of summer. Okay, so that's when you can see it. Yeah, that's when it's rising in the sky. Okay. 
Um, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, back to <laughs> the impregnating. Um, well, not necessarily the aliens, but um, ju- just to all of our listeners, really be very mindful of your sexual activity with people and how your how your encounters come to be because we've all noticed like there's a lot of deception that can occur to make it seem like it's one thing and not and it's actually another like these entities will use charm and makes things seem like it's um a very loving in infectious of inf- like uh, the high infatuation uh, that lust that comes in where you just think you've got this chemical reaction between you two and it must mean something and so a lot of people buy into that and and are looking for that spark and so you feel that spark and you get pulled into the situation and it actually is designed to gain entry um to your vessel Mm. A really good dating tip. I mean, wonderful. Thank you for saying that. It, a really good dating tip is to ask your partner about their childhood. Listen very closely. Ask them if anything bad happened in their childhood. You got to be Freud. Tell me about your mother. Because if your childhoods are similar, then you are probably brought together in a karmic relationship, which is based on work, not love. So hard work. Some and I've had a lot of karmic relationships. Thank goodness for them. I wouldn't be me without them. But you can be aware while you're in it, or you can also choose not to begin it. So explain to our listeners you know, what is a karmic relationship, and you know I I have to go back to the I understand there's no more karma, which I don't quite understand. And that's Westerners not understanding what the hell karma means. <laughs> Karma literally just means action, movement, forward. That's all. This is our karma. If you, if you do negative work, you're going to get negative karma. If you do positive work, you have positive karma. It's action, reaction, right? Yeah, and I believe that, but I was to- told, and we spoke um, in one of our previous podcasts with Maureen about the fact that as of like 2012, supposedly there's no more karma. And I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I really believe that because – that would mean that positive doesn't yield, you know, bring positive. Negative doesn't bring negative. That, that that whole law of attraction type thing almost doesn't even work anymore if there's no karma. Like, so you can murder or do whatever you want and there's no effect of it anymore? I, I don't understand when they say there's no more karma. Well, that definitely works for the Matrix. <laughs> do but didn't we talk want. about that, Nicole? Pardon? With Maureen, didn't we talk yes, about that? No, yeah, she, she brought saying? it up that she had understood um, that from her highest, higher self that there was no more karma. And so, <clears throat> but I, I completely see where you guys are going with this and it com- makes complete sense to me. Well, it's not, it's just that I feel maybe the concept wasn't completely explained. It's just a partial knowledge. So it's fine. It's just, it doesn't apply to us. Yeah. So tell me about these karmic relationships. When you say that, what it, you know, speaks to me like I'm a child. <laughs> what Wonderful. <do> you <laughs> so most of us have cute little hearts, and we want to fall in love. 
But what we really need are lessons. We need to be taught about ourselves and who we are for real. We need a mirror, and it's called the mirror of relationship. And so we get into this mirror of relationship. Karma is work, right? Like I said, it's hard work, and it's refining the ego. And it is it helps and assists in bringing the soul fully online into the body, which is the major goal. So to be set up in a relationship, you're set up in a dynamic where all your buttons are going to be pushed. You will be, it's like getting into the military. It's like boot camp relationship. So this is how we refine ourselves. So we dated uh, Dan for a while and we learned that uh, we're prima donna. So we don't want to do that anymore. And then we dated Michael and Michael treated us like, crap. So <laughs> we understood, wow, I'm not a prima donna and I can be treated like crap. So they've learned, you know, two different things, two different relationships. This is karmic. When you're talking about that, most relationships are karmic because you only get the right one once. I'd love to say that's all those twin flame people out there who think that the mailman's a twin flame. Everybody is. That's nice and altruistic of you, but there's only one. And so you only get to be successful once. And I think that people don't get that. They don't understand that. They're always seeking, right, outside themselves. And that's the major issue. You're going to attract karmic relationships as long as you are not settled within yourself. And when you say you only get the right one once, what do you mean by that? The right relationship or the right? I'm a, yeah, I'm a really old fashioned girl and I believe there's somebody born for everybody. I'm just that romantic with my Libra moon. So that's where I'm coming from. Everybody's got a twin. Like a twin flame. Well, well, this is an exclusive. This is the first time I've said this. Hermes and I are twin stars and below that is twin flame and below that is soulmate and below that is the boyfriend you had for three years. The karmic. Okay. This is this is awesome. I love this exclusive and I know nothing about this twin star, so please explain. No one knows because it's a teaching from Hermes. <laughs> and the only reason I was taught it is because it's true about me. You understand? I get these deep hermetic secrets because they explain my soul to me. So not everybody's gonna get this or understand it. Hermes Before- and I originally I'm sorry. No, yeah. So I wanted you to explain to the audience who Hermes is and how you have oh. that connection. Oh, great. Hermes is my spirit guide in this lifetime. He's known as my master teacher guide. Uh, in shamanism, he's known as my spirit spouse. You can look that up on Wikipedia. It's beautiful. And so uh, I always knew I had a spirit guide, even as a little kid. But of course, we call them imaginary friends and all these things. Uh, and as I grew up, I doing being a psychic, I worked with him, obviously, to help my friends, to help my clients, and to help me. And then at age 30, I had an awakening where Hermes became very real to me. I could not physically, in my mind's eye, I could see, feel, touch, learn from him. That's when my real training began. And he told me we were incarnated in Greece. He was Hermes. I was core Persephone. And that's why my name is Corinne, the French version, which is the language of love in this lifetime, because he wanted me to know and remember the core Persephone lifetime, because that's my mission this time as well. And we had a mystery school called the Elysian Mysteries, where we worked with people to 
get into their soul and ascend, you know, just like Buddhists do. Same kind of thing, only ours was Greek flavored. <laughs> Before that, we had incarnate in Egypt, as most Syrians from Sirius B did first incarnate in Egypt before time space started. And that's when we began the mystery schools. And then we graduated, right? Because we had to take on bodies. So you have to go through the process all over again and become a master in a body. And then we incarnated in Greece. And then at age 30, I find out I'm from Sirius B. And he is the prince of Sirius B. And I'm the princess. And I met my grandmother, as I call her, who is the oversoul of the Sirius star system. She's not very interested in Earth. She sees us as kids and she sees us as playing a game. That's how she treats us. So you go, kids, enjoy, have fun. But she does <laughs> tell me all the time that incarnation is silly. And I think it's important for me to know that and to hear that so that I don't take this game too seriously and so I don't get depressed and suicidal and, you know, have all these neurotic problems. So I got to see things as they truly are to me personally. And I think that's a good lesson for everyone. You kind of have to understand your own soul on that deep level so that you're living your own life and not a life that was created for you by humans in society. And so Hermes is, what was the question about? Oh, what was the original question? Um, well, you were talking about how you found out you were twin stars, but I just yeah. wanted you to like create the link of you to your connection. Yeah, not that. So the twin star, he told me one day, because we have these long sessions that can take like six hours of talking and typing and whatever. Um, he said that you and I are original beings. It's really beautiful. I wrote it out. I'm sorry. I don't have it right now, but we are original beings. And that was a big underscore, like underline that. We incarnate way before this universe, this entire universe. So we came from outside the universe originally as original beings. And some people will call them gods, but not demigods, actual gods. We obviously don't use those aspects of our soul in this game. There's a bifurcation, you could say, from universe to universe. Hermes calls them bubbles. So within this bubble, we only use the powers we have here. So understand that we're only living out a part of our soul. But the twin stars, I believe, are two different planets. As if um, Earth is a consciousness, Earth is a planet, and we call her Gaia. And she's a living, real thing. You know, she's Mother Nature. She's our mom. She's what helped us get these bodies. She created our little animal bodies for us. And she gave us a home and a place. So I believe that Hermes and I somewhere are also planets which we call stars and we are twin stars, which is kind of, it goes into infinity and forever, which means at some level, he and I are one. Does that explain it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, you know, hard to wrap your head around all that, but. That's why I call my podcast the cosmic core because it's super cosmic talk. Yeah, but, you know, if we think of ourselves as just energy, what you just said there about only living out part of our souls, I, I really appreciate you saying that because that also now starts to make sense. Uh, things make more sense to me. You know, when you when you know that you're a, a really old soul and and you've you know maybe you know come from another planet and you're a star seed, and then you and you're living this little life here on earth is sometimes it's just really hard to 
to wrap your head around that and why you're not using all your power and greatness that you know that you have, you know? Yeah. So. Grandma Osiris really helped me with that. She said, honey, you're playing dolls. Your body is a doll. And having that clean, clear perspective kind of threw my ego out the window. I'm like, oh, I get to play. It's like the inner child, the divine child. And that's the real creative, beautiful part of us. And you can see my vibration is already raising talking about the inner child. <laughs> so, Because my inner child is a fairy. She is not chill at all. She wants miracles and rainbows and everything to happen now. And we have those, star seeds have those aspects to us where we're quicker than a speed of light. You know, we just want to become sparks and fairy dust right so there's yeah, that you want everyone to be happy and just spread fairy dust that's how i am <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly and all i think you need to do mother nature cancer lady is to change your perspective to something more playful and less serious it's because you worry about people and if you could just say well we're all dolls and everything's cool then you wouldn't worry so much I worry a lot less than I used to. I used Good. to worry. I used to worry about people, and I used to worry about my kids a lot and things. And I've really learned to detach myself from that um, a lot recently. To where, you know, I know this is all just a game. <laughs> you know, and we're we're all just playing. So I've definitely become a lot less worrisome and. So it's good. That must have made you so much healthier. What a weight off your shoulders. I mean, there must have been like an orgasm there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I've always felt healthy and happy. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I feel... I've just been learning so much and growing so much lately that I don't know if I've, I've actually settled into enjoying enjoying it yet. You know, I feel like yeah. I'm still on this upward movement of just really wrapping my head around all of this stuff, but definitely detaching from, from this 3D-ness and the matrix more and more every day and not taking things so seriously, just trying to enjoy it. Lisa, there's something very special about you. You are empathic and you can discern people. You can discern the lie from the truth the moment you hear it. So you're a great aspect of this show. Well, thank you so much. And I truly believe I have found my twin flame. So there's that. I Congratulations. Recently got, <laughs> I recently got married and he sometimes is a guest on our show. And, um, you know, that's just been fun. The whole, the whole trip. And it was a very quick relationship. We got married very quickly. And it's just, I know it's just been, it's been really interesting. It's been a lot of fun lately. That's amazing. I believe that the twin flames specifically are archangel energies. You guys are definitely on mission. Yeah, I definitely feel like we're on mission for something. Not sure what it is yet. Right now it's just, you know. But you just having... got married. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> exactly. Right now it's just having fun and just doing whatever. But yeah, there's a mission there somewhere. Um, Michael, I know you have to jump off, but I, I still want to ask Corinne something that she brought up. Did you need to jump out? Go for it. How are you, Michael? I'm fine. Like, okay. I mean, how am I just in general? <laughs> no, like, are you doing okay? Yeah, that's all I wanted to know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, you know, there's a point where um, you guys talk about things that 
you know, I'm just not there yet. I'm not close to coming to terms of even believing on some of the things that you have uh, or that, that are going on. So sometimes it's just, you know, I, I, I have to take things slowly. A skeptic my, wants to be quiet? Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, it's like, how do I question you guys? <laughs> when, when I'm like, you're like, you, it's not like I'm, I'm, a skeptic is more like, it's like, I just don't know why I would believe in what all three of you guys say at times, unless I just really do some research. I'm not just going to blindly and blatantly just say, oh, I don't believe you guys at all. Well, and I'm also, gonna, I'm also about, like, oh, and I believe everything you guys say. Like, I yeah, don't believe. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Corinne. I'm saying Lisa. Lisa's your teacher. She's the one who can emotionally yeah, feel alive. Yeah, yeah. And Lisa and Nikki are. I, I really do appreciate their friendship. And but there, you know, there's things that they say where it's like, oh, I just believe it. And like, well, I can't. I can't just believe it. And. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you guys can believe it so easily, but I'm. That's not how I work. I am a skeptic too. You you got to know that, Michael. I'm very skeptical. I am, I am too. And and some of these you know new concepts and things that even we've been talking about today on the show, I don't necessarily believe everything, but I leave my mind open to it. Like yeah, and, and then that's okay. That's there's something too. new. There's a this is a possibility, you know, of something that could be happening. Oh, okay. This is new information to me. I've never heard this before, but I'm not going to shut it down and say, Oh, that's just bullshit. You know, there's no way aliens are impregnating people. (laughs) Okay. Maybe it could happen. I'm not sure, but all right. right. It's it's, it's like something like, how do I test that theory? You know, it's like, it's just, you have to believe it or not, or there's actually, all of a sudden tomorrow, a dramatic amount of evidence that proves, you know, aliens impregnating. Um, it's a lot easier to be skeptic on conspiracy theories because there's always both sides of the story and data and things like that you can look at. But when it comes to this spiritual side, I mean, there, there's it's a lot of theory. And, and Corinne, we have you as a guest today. And then we had a guest a couple of weeks ago on. And, and like the things that you say uh, go against what she says. So it's like now I'm sitting here going, oh, who would I, if I was going to believe, who would I tend to believe? You know, you have those kind of things. Such as what? You just what? talked about the karma thing. I think that Corinne explained that as I, more of, it wasn't the full explanation of it. That It's kind of a okay. Piece, yeah, so you're you looking can, at a fraction. You can save face for the other person, but to me, it's not like, no, she disagrees with that person. It's it's not about saving face. (laughs) It's not about saving face. It's about trying to discern truth because there are many truths out there. And so, and we don't always. (laughs) That that statement alone, Nikki, doesn't register. I'm siding with Michael on this. There's only one truth. Well, no, actually, this is why I don't agree with that is because whatever consciousness level you're at, that is true for you. And so if you're at a lower consciousness, there's no way you can understand a higher truth from someone who's at a, a, um, a, a higher consciousness. So, so you're saying a lower truth is as true as a higher truth. That's what you're saying. To that person. To the individual. To yeah. the individual. It is true for them. 
From their perception is yes. another word for that. Their incarnation. From their perspective. That doesn't mean it's yes. true. It's more like their opinion. You know, okay, He's so talking I, about universal truth. Yeah, okay, so person. I believe, I believe, let me correct myself, I believe there are universal truths. I do believe that. But I also believe that as our own individual selves, that what's true for me may not be true for someone else, and they may have a completely different truth. And it doesn't mean that either of us are right or wrong. It's just that's what's real for each of us. And that's yep. where we are in our journey. Like, that's what's true for us right now. Mm-hmm. That's the definition of an opinion, I swear, guys. <laughs> no, it's not an opinion. It's an experience. So whatever I'm experience, that's my truth. And someone else may not experience that. He's talking about gnosis, which is becoming one with your experience and learning through experience. It's not armchair, look it up in a book, science, mind, crap. Yeah life experience and that's how we really learn yeah yeah i think experience is our greatest teacher so it's more like our perspective maybe not our opinion but our perspective yes it's definitely perspective yeah and perspectives can be wrong though well well no they can shift teaching tools (laughs) you can you can look at it easily like with politics you know someone can be just i'll just use a simple example like a, someone who loves, like, thinks that Trump is doing a good job, and someone who just like absolutely can't stand him, and has this opinion of what he isn't doing and why he's so bad. That's their truth in their mind. That's truly how they see it. But so you just eight- said they have an opinion, and that's the truth. <laughs> this is where it gets confusing. For no, you guys. yeah, she she should have said perception. Like I should have said perspective because that's what I meant to say. Yeah, like you're your perceiving perspective him. of him and their perception is their reality. And then there's someone else sitting across the table that has a totally opposite perspective on the situation and sees a whole different side of it and the good and the that that's going on there. And I think for both of them, there's truth there. And you're still in the dichotomy of black and white in that scenario and every other scenario that we're going to describe. It's still on that lower level of black and white, good and bad, I think. I think because. Absolutely. And that's the matrix. And that's where we're in this 3D world. And you need to rise above that. And I think when you rise above that, that's when you can see that there's more than one truth because there's more than one perspective. Yeah. Like, Michael, you and I have had this conversation where, you know, there's a lot of separation right now and people just can't even seem to talk to someone else who has a differing um, perspective on something. And it causes a lot of division and it causes a lot of um, fights to break out. And <clears throat> and your your feelings are like, why can't we just talk to one another? And how you talk to one another is that you honor the other person's perception, their individuality, what they see as their truth, while they honor that very same thing within you. And that's how we bridge the gap. So definitely. It's it's important to understand that, yes, there are universal truths, but we do have to honor the individual truths within each of us for whatever, wherever we are in our own lives. I, mean, I like the word perspective better than individual truths than and I think mind's vocabulary. Truth is like the word love. It can be in, in this way. It's ambiguous. And, and maybe, you know, in the in English language, we're limited to only being able to use certain words. Yeah. I'm still seeing this laid out dimensionally. These arguments are all fourth dimensional. In the fifth dimension, that's when you get to universal laws and universal morality and truth. So we're still dealing with the dichotomy of black and white, fourth dimension. Yes. Yes. 
Very interesting, guys, but I do have to wrap it up. Okay. Thank so, you for telling your story, Michael. I will oh, well, remember you. that the rest of my life. And, and give me your, your food for thought, that's for sure. And I'll be doing even more research now. <laughs> Talk to your inner so, female. Say hi to Lucy for us. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be prepared for Lucy. Those entities are called the anima and the animus in Jungian psychology. You should research that too. Anima. She's your okay. anima. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye, I'm going to log off. You guys can continue. Bye. 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 Peace out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, Corinne, I wanted to ask you, because you brought this up, and I find this fascinating, and maybe you can enlighten um, us on it. The mystery schools that started in Egypt and, and continued within Greece, um, and then how that got kibosh, like how that was... <laughs> Is that a Jewish word? Because <laughs> I'm about to go off on some Jews here. <laughs> okay, so like, you know what, I never use that word, so that's very interesting that it just came out. <laughs> that's hilarious. Abrahamic. I don't mean to say Jewish because that seems racist. How strange. But... I'll say Abrahamic. So I was not in Atlantis, so whatever happened there was none of my business. Let's just get that out of the way. I was incarnated in what we call Egypt before time space, and I helped Thoth and many others set up the pyramids because we came from Sirius and we had to make an image. It's a light map image that mirrors Sirius on this planet to be able to bring our teachings in because we knew there was a crop of new souls. I'm not even sure what that is yet, but they're somehow our children. And we incarnated eventually as their teachers. But before incarnation, we were golden skin bodies. That's the form we took. And we taught the souls before separation, before the veils. Veils block us from heaven. The trick of the three veils is in my blog. Before the darkness came before we fell to flesh consciousness, falling angels, aren't we all? We all fell to flesh consciousness. And some of us are, get this, in heaven right now, consciously, and on earth right now, consciously, as above, so below. Fifth dimension, we can call that heaven, sure, fine. And here on third dimension, carrying heaven within your mind, heart, and body. So, teaching the kids. We did that for a while. And then we took on for real bodies and became for real people. We became the priests and priestesses of Egypt. And it was all very respectful, very serious in the sense that it was traditional and it was beautiful and it was all about love. And the Isis Osiris mysteries in which I was born into to teach because those come from Sirius, that we taught them how to farm. We taught them how to irrigate the water and how to dance around in their bodies and, you know, work out and physical things. And all of those things were very mundane. And then the mystery schools came when they were ready to get to know their soul on a deeper level. And our goal, even in Egypt, was to take these new souls straight to enlightenment so they don't have to spend incarnations on earth. You know, we just want to get them fixed and home and upstairs as soon as possible to get through their lessons quickly because we can do that. And we did. And many reached enlightenment and they never came back. But some of us took a Bodhisattva vow. And I believe this is another planet or space time continuum that I call the Buddha planet. 
I was taken there first to learn to be a human, to learn about what it is to incarnate and to finally ask the Buddha if he would make me a real girl. <laughs> and so there are many different aspects to this story, but giving respect to Egypt, I also want to give respect to Buddha who also taught me. And then when we graduated in the Egyptian mystery schools as priests and priestesses, graduating meant you were able to incarnate in another place and take on your own mystery school, which you would plan in the higher realms, in the ethers, in the soul realm, plan your teaching, just like a real teacher. And then you and your partner, mine Hermes, would incarnate as priest and priestess and do the teachings. That's so where did it get where did it get messed up, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that was a great description. I haven't heard it like that, and I that really helps me um, understand great. it more. Wow, you just yeah, you just kind of like built up another part of my tapestry. So yay, that's my goal. Yay. You've definitely built mine up this afternoon. Yay, we are in a yarn circle, girl. <laughs> so okay, so then it gets. How does it all break down? Right. So I have to go back to Enoch, which I think was Abraham's like great, great grandfather or something. And I think it has something to do with David. You must understand I was not allowed to study uh, the Kabbalah and uh, Mesopotamia and uh, Quetzalcoatl, the Mayans, a bunch of people I, were not, I was not allowed to study because I feel like maybe the teachings weren't pure for me. And now I'm finding out they really weren't. Um, but I did meet Enoch in a vision. I had to get through his door to go where I was going. And he was spooky like that angel. So I'm thinking not total fifth dimensional. There's no way. But Enoch is seen very much almost like a god to people. Um, but he was spooky to me. And then we filtered down to King David. And I don't even know my timelines here because I don't study history. This is all coming from the ethers. And I know King David was a very good soul. He could, have, he could have been Hermes. It's quite possible that that was an incarnation of Hermes because he's, he shows up to me as the statue of David by Michelangelo, and he's always talking about David. He says the house of David was corrupted right after David. I think that's Solomon. Is that possible that that was his son? But David was the last standing real king. Now, Abraham was he was the guy that went or was it I think it was Abraham maybe it was Moses went down the river and was discovered in Egypt and got adopted by the Egyptians I'm not you know? sure I'm not sure which one it is okay well it doesn't matter this man came and he was, that was Moses thank you adopted by the Egyptians and then he became a priest and then the, whoever this was this was the it guy was Moses. Who, he led the people out of Egypt right who's uh, Okay, Part the Red you. Sea, yes. Thank you. Now, mm -hmm. I see that as a turncoat act. You are raised and loved by these people, these Egyptians. He was not enslaved. He was very <laughs> taken care of from what I could see. Right. And then he turns coat and starts his own religion and takes a bunch of people away. And then he starts this negative teaching. Now, some people say Yahweh is a negative alien, which is interesting to think about. But, but he was freeing the slaves. That's why he took the people away, because they were enslaved. I don't believe there was slavery in Egypt. 
Well, that's how the story goes. Exactly. Well, they explain that the pyramids were built by slaves, which I don't believe. Um, We know it's impossible. Yeah. Literally, scientifically impossible. Michael doesn't believe that. Michael believes that slaves could have done it. (laughs) I wish he was still on the show. Well, he um, needs to watch some more YouTube videos where people have literally tried with all the equipment in the world, and they couldn't do it, not even in miniature. Interesting. Well, when Michael listens to this, uh, Michael, when you're listening again, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Do you have a video that we you could um, send me that I could put in the description for that? No, I, I don't speak about this stuff often because it's been no, for no, no. I mean that you've time. watched a video that you've watched. Um, oh, um, just look up can't build pyramids. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. So okay. Coral Castle also is another thing for him to look up. Coral Castle, which was built with vibration. Okay. Because so, we had tools. We were aliens. Come on. We weren't enslaving earth humans to do Zachariah Sitchin. You will never live that down, Zachariah. Okay. <laughs> so you're saying Moses was a turncoat and he wasn't really freeing the slaves. He was just taking the people away from the Israels from in Israel was the Jews. I don't know the story. From the Egyptians. From the Egyptians. Yeah. And then they were set against them. If you remember in the Bible, the pharaohs were evil people and somebody had to make a staff, a snake into a snake and go get them. And yeah, it was obviously a war. Right. That was all Moses. War was started. And so we got three major religions right now. Right. And they all started from that seed we graduated we got to start our own mystery schools and i think he did but his school has taken over because who rules this world what rules this world negativity well negativity in general (laughs) and there's three major religions there may be more muslims than christians now so those three major religions i believe are corrupted teachings now do i love jesus yes but jesus is an ascended master he can talk to you he's not just in a book Right. I can't get a hold of Muhammad. I can't get a hold of uh, Abraham. <laughs> I can't get a hold of these people. And I think it's because they're in a domain I do not go to. Interesting. interesting. Yes, very yeah. interesting. But, you know, but you that know, makes a lot of sense. We Like our last show, we talked about the Matrix and how we are deceived into believing that the heaven is here and that we're, you know, living this amazing life, accumulating all these materialistic things. And that's what life's all about. And oh, my God, who said that? Well, in the Matrix, right? That's what people, people strive yeah. to have these big homes and cars and live the life of travel and luxury. Just, and It's just called materialism versus spiritualism. Yes, that's exactly. And so that's what's kind of been ingrained in us through the Matrix, that materialism, not that it's a good thing, but it's, it's like it when you have your freedom, you can have all these materialistic things. And it is a three-year-old baby who wants more cake is what it is, is a spoiled child. I'm sorry, but I believe that very strongly. Yeah, it's I would not that there's out. anything wrong with wanting to have nice things or to travel or to have your freedom to do the things that you want to do. I, I mean, not to say that to be spiritual means that you can't have things no 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 no. i yeah i completely agree i don't think there's anything wrong with having nice things but we're taught to believe that freedom is one thing when actually it's enslaving us Mm -hmm. your soul and that's the trick and i feel like what you're saying here with moses is that that was kind of a similar thing where you know he deceived 
people into believing that the Egyptians were, um, you know, these bad, bad people um, who were going to enslave them. And to and that was to bring them in so that he could teach them and embed their consciousness with his teachings. Yeah. And all generations afterwards, exactly. eventually it would spread to the entire planet. It's very interesting. So that's where the whole breakdown happened. I believe that's where I'm pinpointing. I would love to be able to hire researchers and say, you look up that, you look up that, you look up that, and then just get the whole story. No, but, but that actually makes sense to me because um, <laughs> when you go through like religion and you look at how there was the, um, I mean, all through times, like the whole witch hunting and, and there's just been this huge movement over, you know, millennia to really kind of cast, outcast the whole idea of mystery um, through and, and make witches seem like they were evil and, 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 and all of these things that really embed in our consciousness. I mean, to this day, when we think of Halloween, the first thing that comes to my mind is a witch on a broomstick who's got a green face and a black hat. And, yeah, this, sorry. Yeah, no, and, and so it's just this, it's this embedding in our consciousness of what they want us to perceive everything as when actually it's the opposite. You understand we're coming out of the Piscean age, which is kind of, you can say it's a, a mood that got put over generations of people, this 2000 years of Pisces, which is bondage and domination. All right. So you've got this overlord God, you have his nice son, and then you've got people that are going one way or another. They're being too altruistic. They're torturing themselves by giving to their family and friends and never giving to themselves. They just become shells. You know, all they do is serve others and they're not enlightened. So they just drain themselves. It's like vampire, vampir, self-vampirism. And then you have the other people who are, I'm going to get all everything I want when I want it because, damn it, I'm awesome, which is basically becoming Satan yourself, literally. You understand? That's a sick ego. You will definitely be a ghost. You might turn into a demon if you keep going down that road. So there's that black and white dichotomy there. Um what was the original thing? I'm sorry, I got lost. I don't know. <laughs> oh, the ego. It's it, Oh, because we're in the Piscean age. Yes, yes. This is the sick part of the masculine ego. And I do not mean men in physical bodies with their beautiful penises. I do not mean men. I mean men and women who have male psychological messed upness within themselves. So this is the inverted Mars aspect of the human psyche. This is war. This is murder. These, these horrible acts, which is action, fire, male, masculine projection. And we all have it within us. And if we nurture it, it's going to become something very dark and horrible. If we say, I understand what you are, I accept you. And if I'm ever in a place where I need to, need to use you as if I'm being attacked and someone's going to rape me, then I will use you. That is a correct use of the Mars energy. Otherwise, I don't need you in my life. So we're coming out of the Piscean age and into what? The age of Aquarius, the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Abba. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the age of Aquarius is futuristic. So that's why we've got the AI and all that scary stuff. Because the science mind, again, inverted masculine, 
uh, who only sees math and does not see soul, art, or creativity, that that part of God, so to speak, in our psyche that is frozen is going to thaw out. And we're going to start realizing that we're masculine and feminine in nature. We use both sides of our brain, and that's what opens the pineal without any kind of special or anything crazy physically, all you have to do is bring the masculine and feminine minds together in harmony, and that opens your pineal, which is a gateway to the infinite. And opening the heart, there's a marriage that takes place in the heart, especially outlined in hermetic alchemy. But the inner marriage of this male and female in your heart is what basically brings you to heaven. Yeah, so um, just to kind of like bring this down into a level of my personal own experience is I struggled with my own masculine or I should not my masculine. Well, actually I did, but my, it was more my feminine. I really couldn't accept my feminine aspect. I had a very negative association with being female. And in fact, I remember as a young girl, when I started to go through puberty and my breasts began to grow, that I would sit on the side of my bed praying to God to make them stop and that I would do anything if they would just stop. And so I had this really, um, I had a huge discord within me that I just couldn't accept that part of me. And I saw how my masculine energy then was so imbalanced and so taking over and being dominant in everything I did. And it wasn't until my early, early 30s where I started to understand the accepting of that more nurturing aspect and start taking care of myself and bring in that feminine energy. And that is when all of the things just started to really open up for me. And so I completely understand how bringing the two into balance um, does open up that gateway. And what you were saying to Michael is that he has to address the inner feminine within him that would help him bring him closer to that balance yeah it opens up that gateway for him even more so the first time I met my animus which this is the book love magic by Lori Cabot the official witch of Salem she wrote in her book the meditation to go meet your inner other as we call it and mine at first and I was a teenager right so I had all the icky of ickies from childhood and everything when I first saw him so not everybody's dude is going to look like this but he was the Nosferatu from the black and white old 1920s vampire movie the very first one so my inner male looked like that Nosferatu and now he's Hermes this yeah this has just been this has been such an awesome conversation, Corinne. I'm so <laughs> glad you guys, I, I don't get to say so much of this stuff. It's, I feel like I'm yelling behind glass these more important things, but I know it's a timing mechanism that some people just aren't ready to hear yet. But thank you for giving me a space, a forum to say the weird things that are in my heart that I really want to express. Well, Lisa and I love weird, so. <laughs> <laughs> we love weird. I like to expand, you know expand my mind and the ideas of what's really going on and yeah I love it it's good yeah thank you so even if much. I don't understand a lot of it <laughs> <laughs> I just like it's okay when well, I, I like to, to plant seeds they will grow yeah. flowers later <laughs> exactly and I know when I'm meant to understand it or if I am at all but it'll all come back around again and 
Oh, well, you you planted some seeds, girl. You planted some seeds. Um, for our audience, where can they find you to get more information on you or if they need to contact you, work with you? Yeah, if you need me, get me immediately. Occult Priestess, O-C-C-U-L-T, Priestess, P-R-I-E-S-T-E-S-S, dot, or, um, dot com, obviously, but it's at Gmail. Com. So if you need me immediately, just email me, cultpriestess at gmail.com. I'm a cultpriestess.com, a cultpriestess on Twitter, and Corinne Wilson on Facebook. But please just email me personally. We'll set up an appointment. We'll get to work right away. Wow. Thank you. And also, you were in a movie. Um, yes. Do you want to talk about that really quickly? Uh, the movie is entitled The Nightmare and is the first ever hybrid documentary slash feature film movie so it was a brand new thing and it got to Sundance it is by directed by Rodney Asher who also directed Room 237 the great conspiracy movie about Stanley Kubrick and he took seven volunteers I was one of them out of the whole world like he went international with this to find the seven best sleep paralysis stories and experiencers and he put us on film and it was amazing. So it's on Netflix and it's everywhere on the internet. There's even pro- pirated versions of The Nightmare, Rodney Asher. There's other movies called The Nightmare. They're totally fiction. This one is different. You'll notice the moment you turn it on. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I've been curious to check it out, but at the same time, I'm so visual. I can have nightmares so easily when I watch this stuff. So. I don't suggest everyone watch it. But yeah. if you are a spiritual warrior and you are being attacked, then you should watch it. Okay. Fair enough. Good point. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Corinne. Uh, this like probably is one of my favorite shows that we've done. You've just brought so much interesting information and you've explained things so well. So thank you very much. Uh, I know we all appreciate it. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you, ladies. Okay. And my friend Rashmi would say, we're sending you 10,000 angels. So it really does give you a boost in your life. So I hope in the next few days something good happens. We'll take them. Thank you. (laughs) I expect it. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, All right, everyone. So thanks for joining us today. If uh, you need any more information, please visit our website, enlightenup.us. And uh, if you are enjoying the show, please share us with your friends, family, and coworkers, and anyone else who you think might find this show helpful to them and uh, if you have any show ideas or topics that you'd like us to discuss please send them into our email info at enlightenup.us and that's about it so thanks again corinne lisa i love you both love you hugs and kisses ladies bye